Podcast brought to you by Raising Grace Studios. Want to give a big shout out to all of our sponsors: Par Hopper Golf Apparel, Two Pilots Distillery, Project Canine Hero, uh, Mega Knife Co. On Instagram, go look them up. Grid Iron Coffee. Uh, look up my guys at Creative Vets. Thank y'all to all that y'all do for our veterans. They're not a sponsor on the show. But as y'all know, we're going to play in their golf tournament coming up, and I just love what they do. Special thank you to Mr. Bruce Thompson and to our management company, Red Circle. Thank you for all that you do. Speaking of Mr. Bruce, what's up, Mr. Bruce? Good morning. How you doing, Josh? Uh, I can't complain. It's always a good day when I get to see your smiling face. Ah, you're cool. When I get to see an actual uh, good politician come in here. Well, ah, I wouldn't have, quit, I wouldn't have a bad one. me politician, man. I'm a well, political servant. I, well, Politician sounds so slimy. I know. Well, when I got Stacey Abrams running ads that I can't control before and after my show, I got to say something smart-assy about That's it. That's all right. We can take all the freaking money she wants to give, and then you can put it where you need it to go, right? Uh, absolutely. Um, to, you know, whiskey and bad decisions is what I usually say. <laughs> Uh, I think you pretty good that's I was making the joke to somebody the other day about how just uh I guess uh that party or whatever they just don't pay attention to what even they're they're throwing their money at they're just throwing money everywhere how frivolous is spending they just they just don't care well Josh I mean you look at the federal government and state government and the amount of money that's uh, taken from taxpayers and just thrown out there with all kinds of programs that's why we have a labor issue it's been run by the Democrats and so you know they're not fiscally responsible so this is just an opportunity to say, well, if they're not going to be responsible, take some of that money and put it back into good works. That's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, I just didn't realize until like I actually saw it firsthand with this that if someone actually listened to my show that is has anything to do with Stacey Abrams, right? They would 100% not have anything to do with my show. <laughs> And that just shows us how <laughs> insane that whole process is. I understand why somebody like you uh, would want to do my show. Why anybody, somebody, even that's an independent, would want to come sit down and do my show. But I don't understand why somebody that is so you know far left would even think about it. Well, I appreciate so much for your friendship, but uh, what you do on the show and being able to reach out to people that, you know, they want to not only be entertained, but they want to be educated. And you do a great job doing both. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, it's uh first time I met you. I told you, I just think that uh, there's not there's too many people, especially in the world that I live in, the social media world, to sit there and run their mouths about what's right, what's wrong when it comes to you know the political side of everything, but they don't do anything to bring about change. Uh, I can sit here and I have a good time and crack all the jokes I want and drink all the whiskey I want and have all the songwriters and musicians on the show I want. But at the end of the day, that doesn't bring about change. That doesn't help my community. That doesn't help my state. Uh, 
having folks like you on the show that can actually inform people about how we can make a difference, what actually makes our labor force here in Georgia, which what you're running for, which we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, that is how you actually can make our environment better. Well, Josh, if I can respectfully challenge you, and um, I do believe you do make a difference in that way. You think about you going to the emergency room, right? You don't go rushing right in the emergency room and the surgeons come in and start right away. There's some prep work that's got to be done, right, to make sure it's ready and set up, and that's what you're doing. You're setting up the environment for people maybe like myself, and without guys like you, there's no way we could be effective. So I, I, I would say I appreciate your humble uh, dismissal of what you do, but it's huge. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, that's weird. It's, it's funny. Uh, between you and my musician buddies that was in here today, I've been called humble a lot lately, and uh, I just don't think I'm humble. <laughs> I don't. I actually think the complete opposite of myself most of the time. Uh, you may be forward, and you may be very uh, uh, outspoken, but you know there's a level of humility in there. That, that grace, I mean, you go back to the vets you're talking about. And the sacrifices of men and women have given for our country and how you react when you're talking about them, you can tell there's an element of humility. That's how you tell somebody's home. Well, they doesn't mean you have to be meek, my friend. The Bible I, even talks about that. I think that is what has made the biggest difference in my life, honestly, is uh, obviously didn't serve. You, you served, right? I did. I was uh, a tank commander. And I think when I started this whole social media career, six years ago, seven years ago almost. Uh, and I started kind of standing up for my beliefs and everything. And you started getting folks from the military that reached out to me on social media because of, nobody does. Mm -hmm. And when I realized that nobody stands up for the people that literally are willing to sacrifice everything for you, it really struck a nerve with me. And it made me want to be more outspoken it made me want to be a better person it made me want to find these organizations like creative vets it made me uh mission 22 we work with uh kurt and renee uh the georgia leaders of mission 22 here mm -hmm. um even uh i got to introduce you to somebody um here and he's right across the tennessee line but he does a lot of stuff here in georgia project k9 hero mr jason johnson he uh he repurp not repurposes uh dogs that have been a uh, service dogs once they're no longer service dogs uh he finds them homes that's awesome yeah and uh he's got a whole ranch and everything now in tennessee and uh because i didn't know till recently that if uh, these dogs after they're out of service or that they've been injured because of their training they're euthanized if they can't uh, get a handler i didn't know that yeah, uh, he actually went in front of the um, went in front of Congress probably a couple years ago, um, because uh, he he served for for however long twenty plus years or whatever, and um, I guess once he got out and he realized that these dogs are being put down if they don't have uh, somebody that's you know able to take care of them, he started his own organization. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I there's something about that to me that just. Somebody can, I always call it the wildfire effect, that it takes one person believing in something passionately enough, and then next thing you know, they, the whole forest is on fire. That's but right. it's got to start somewhere. And I think that's what like made me like you so much the first time I got around you. 
Uh, even though it wasn't a room full of uh, other people, I know you don't like the word politicians, but that's you know some of y'all work in politics. <laughs> uh, I don't know what else the hell to call you. Um, <laughs> but and I don't mean this negatively towards anybody else in that room. You were the person in here that made me want to run through a wall. I even made the post after you left. I was like, I want this guy to run for president. Like, it, oh my I'll, goodness, in a like in a playful manner because. After somebody sits down and talks to you, you're authentic, you're genuine, and you seem like the type of guy that if you say something, you mean it, and you're going to do what you like. To me, democracy was never meant to be left. It was never meant to be right. It was meant to be middle of the road. We're supposed to find compromises that work for everyone. Josh, when I... Um Many years ago, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. I remember my story. I, I left Montana, a tough upbringing. And um, after the military, I started some companies. But I was also working for Home Depot. And in one of my roles, I was negotiating freight claims with the, with the trucking and the carriers when they would lose stuff or damage it for, for Home Depot. And one of my reviews, I remember, I got brought in. And at the bottom of it, it said, one of my challenges or the weaknesses, you know, you do a SWOT analysis. And that, it was, I was honest to a fault. Yeah. And I was so confused. I said, now hold on a second. That's a problem? <laughs> and they said, yeah, you're honest to a fault. And I thought, you know, I'll own that. That's okay, right? At least people know where you stand. And I think that's our problem right now. People don't know where the hell someone stands. Take a stand, and whether you disagree or agree, at least I know where you're at. But this wavering in the wind, kind of like the wheat that I grew up with in Montana, to the left, to the right, the problem is there's people in the middle. They don't know what to believe, and so you throw it all out. And um, I'm hoping that maybe that's what you saw in me. It's like, listen, it this is. guy's not he, hes not a political wonk. You know, I grew up with nothing. I've done okay, right? I'm relational, but at the end, I love this country. I love the people that have served this country. You know what? We may or may not. You, me, and others in, in the room or outside have the same social views, but at the end of the day, that freaking flag means something. It means we're part of a United States. Not Canada, not Russia, not China. It's us. And we should be able to stand together. We disagree. Man, you may be a, I mean, you know, Hannah works with me and her family is die hard Green Bay. <laughs> they Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. And, uh, you know, I, I, at first, I wasn't necessarily a big Green Bay. In fact, I, I wasn't an Aaron Rodgers guy, right? And the truth of the matter is, if you can't disagree and cheer just right on, but then at the end of the day, shake hands and go, let's go back to what we're doing together, that's a problem with our country. We're tearing each other apart, and that's gonna that could very well cause us a governorship. Yeah, uh, I 100% agree with you. I actually embrace debate with people. I think that this world would be just be boring as hell if we were not able to sit here and have a disagreement that, that would i think it causes us to be better people it causes growth mm -hmm. if if you couldn't help educate me on topics and i couldn't help educate you every once in a while you're, you're wrong um i was explaining this to somebody recently you learned in school anytime you got something wrong on a test if you had a good teacher they always corrected you in the right way and you learned and you grew from it that was the best way that I ever learned from something. 
I think with most of us, you got to fail sometimes. You got to get stuff wrong to to learn from it. And when you have someone that is able to talk to you in the right way, regardless of what lesson it is in life, you learn from it. Some people are just too closed-minded to do that, and that's what you're seeing now. Uh, You're seeing these people that just are like, you know what, I know everything. Mm. If you had that attitude growing up, you would have never... You would have never, ever been able to learn a single thing in school. That's right. And life doesn't end. Learning doesn't end when you get out of high school, when you get out of college. Life continues. Learning continues. And there's too many people that just don't understand that. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I try and do a team meeting every every week. And this last week, you know, we're in the last couple of weeks of, you got early voting starting on May 2nd. And I just told the team, I said, we got to finish strong. And as I was putting together the, the PowerPoint, it, it took me back to wrestling. And I remember, and, um, you know, we've talked about wrestling. I was You're a wrestler get in high on, school and college. You, well, let's go. And, and, <laughs> and, man, it is the only sport. In fact, um, Business Inc. did a study a couple years ago, and there are more Fortune, five, Fortune 500 CEOs when it comes to sports that were wrestlers than anybody. And the reason for that is it's a team sport, Right. But at the same time, it's an individual sport. When you're out on that mat, nobody, it's not tag team. It's not WWF. It's you. But the bigger thing is you got to have the stamina and you got to finish strong because this one particular match and our coach, man, he used to tell us, man, you better finish. You better finish. And you know, when the, when the buzzer goes off, there's a towel boy or a girl that hits you with a towel, let you know. And I swear, Josh, I swear I heard the buzzer and I was beating a kid like 15 to one kid I've beaten before and I rolled over on my back and he got on me I got pinned two seconds and the lesson I learned is when we were done man I, sh- I had to hang my head you know they raised the other guy's arm and my coach grabbed me took me down in the locker room locked the door and he worked me over you probably can't do that anymore but his point was you freaking train to finish yeah and it was a life lesson finish strong run through the finish line you don't quit with two seconds left you don't give up. You don't get distracted because it erases everything that you've worked for. And I think probably in society, we've watered that down. Everybody gets a mid, everybody gets an award. You know, we went through a pandemic oh, where, oh, where we've oh. gotten everybody sitting on a couch, getting used to a remote and receiving a check. Now we're trying to get them to come back to work. Yeah, I have a, a huge problem with participation trophies and everything. Uh, I have around here, I end up having to quit helping uh with the rec department um i had some parents a year or two get year or two ago got mad at me because i would not buy uh, the girls uh, my daughter plays softball mm-hmm. uh, i would not buy them uh trophies they didn't get first or second place and uh they were like well you got to get them trophies so they feel good compared <laughs> to everybody else and i was like no if you buy them trophies and they didn't place they're gonna think that they did good enough right they didn't do good enough you have to you have to push. You have to strive to do better. You have to know that if you don't have that fight in you, then you find something else to do. Go, go on, do something else. You have to earn. Like, you have to earn. Our society has forgot what it's like to earn. I do a lot of, uh, like, social media lives and stuff, selling merchandise and everything like this. One thing I do with my daughter at the age of, uh, she'll be 11 in September. The other day, she came home from school and was like, hey, I want this on Amazon because she 
likes all this stupid stuff on social media that I hate. <laughs> and uh, we have a rule between me and her. Um, she helps around the studio. She keeps it clean or whatever and everything. She gets a little bit of allowance. But if she wants something extra, then what she does is when I'm selling merchandise, she has to help with it because they love her being part of the show sure. or whatever, right? Right. So I make her learn the value of a dollar. If she wants something extra, she has to work extra. I want her to know that we're not going to rely on handouts. Mm-hmm. That was a lesson that I had to get taught at a very young age. My dad having a drywall company. I've had to sand walls. I've had to take scrap pieces out of houses. I've had to do the worst stuff you could do when it comes to drywall. That's right. But I know, I know that if I'm never going to go hungry, I don't ever want government to be daddy either. That's right. I, if it comes down to it, I'll go work at Walmart. I'll go work at McDonald's. I'm going to earn my check, and I want my daughter to. I don't ever want to rely. I don't ever want to rely on that handout. Well, I think what you're talking about is teaching the principles of what yeah. our country was built on. Yeah. And that was digging down, and you get the value of working hard. Of course, there's something in that dignity that you're teaching somebody when they work hard. Yeah. Um, and the value of that. You know, it's interesting. We just had at the Capitol, um, I don't know, maybe a month ago, we had a young man that was up in Cartersville, that his name's Garrett Garros, and I think Garrett probably embodies what we're talking about. Garrett, handsome guy, junior in high school, played football in Cartersville. You know, Cartersville's a big football place. That's where Trevor Lawrence came out of and so on. Y'all beat – they beat us in 99, and we'll ne- Dodge County will never let them <laughs> – the haunt our dreams. The only time we ever had a chance to win a state championship, and, they beat uh, us. And um, Garrett was coming home one night, lost control of his truck, and lost his leg. Ugh. And, you know, as a junior in high school, you think back, you're like, man, your, your dreams are dashed. I'm giving up. What the heck? And it, it could have been a dark, dark day for that kid. You know, at the Capitol this year, we got to honor him because he put his boots on, no pun intended, and strapped it on when it started snowboarding. Now, this is a Georgia oh, that's boy. that's cool. And he got a silver in the Paralympics this year. You know, a Georgian's got a Paralympic in four years. See, that's the difference of going, nobody handed it to him. We're talking a blue-collar family, a guy that had no sponsors that was, you know, doing fast food to learn a sport to say, you know what, I'm as good as anybody else and I'm not giving up because some bad hand was handed to me. That's what makes Americans Americans and it makes Georgians Georgians and we can't lose that. When we give up, we just become a socialist or even worse, a communist country going, well, you know, a participation. I live. It's a participation. So I get a free house. I get a free car. No, that's not who we are. See, I'm glad you think like that because you going in running for labor commissioner. I think that's what most of us think the previous people there treated it like mm-hmm. with the way they went through coronavirus, everything with handing out the checks. The fact that we've got so many restaurants, so many other businesses that are still understaffed, whatever. I feel like that's how they treated it. And you have now the person that uh, I guess is running against you now is from that previous regime or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, my my opponent uh, is a deputy commissioner. Of course, he had to resign now. It's official once you you qualify. We've been running at this 11 months, Josh. Yeah. and, And I know that people on my team hate this when I say it, but we already talked about it. I'm I'm transparent. 
it's not a job I was seeking. It's not like I want to be a bureaucrat. Yeah. I just want to fix something. And by nature, that's what I do. I take companies and fix them, start companies like you. You have an idea and you're like, you know what? Nobody else is doing this and I need it. Then somebody else needs it. And you're like, well, we can make money at it. Let's do it. Right. Absolutely. And so this department of labor is so stinking broken. But then a month ago, month and a half ago, the deputy commissioner, he jumps in the race. Okay. Well, here's the kicker. You know, we've already been through the challenges of this agency. The AAA bond rating of our state was about to be downgraded because of it. The fact they spent over a million bucks catering lunches to people that were employees that were sitting at home during the pandemic. You and, you and I didn't get catered lunches, right? From Hell the government. No. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> then all of a sudden, about two months ago, you started having widows and those on fixed incomes that the Department of Labor helped them fill out claims saying that you were entitled to some unemployment benefits and so on. And they go, oops, you weren't. We need it back plus interest plus penalties. And by the way, if you're not doing it, we're garnishing your wages. Now you think about that. But then last week, USA Today. Widows because of coronavirus or just widows in general? Because of the pandemic. Okay, because of the pandemic. The Department of Labor botched helping people fill out claims. and they, They weren't entitled to it. And so, you know, we're talking about this one lady that calls. She's a widow. She's... She's thinking about she may lose her house because they're suing her. The state's suing her, the Department of Labor, to get back 1800 bucks that that department helped her fill out the claim on. And she's like, I'll pay it back, but I can't pay all the interest and the penalties and so on. That's not how we should behave. But last week, it's the worst. USA Today, front page, two Department of Labor, Georgia Department of Labor employees, one former, one current indicted human trafficking really that's your stinking agency that we're ta- we're paying that's supposed to be helping people the leadership you know facing a giant says coach attitude fl- reflects leadership well you can't say as a deputy commissioner oh i didn't know well either you're ignorant and you don't pay attention or you're culpable and you're part of the problem and as remember when clinton and uh hill and uh, trump were debating and one day Clinton made a comment and she said, man, I've got all this experience and so on. Trump said, you're right. It's the wrong kind of experience. Yep. And that's what we got to change. I don't need the job. He needs a job and I want to fix it. And once it's fixed, we'll move on to fixing something else. It's part of what's called, called public servant. That's why I like term limits. Fact of the matter is when people say, oh, we got term limits, you vote. And my answer is really, have you ever really dug into politics once you're in for a long period of time, good luck trying to get that change. Because it's not because you have bad people. It's the environment will change you. I don't care who you are. It's whether you ask people that are military, you put them over in a war zone for a long period of time, it's going to change you. Yeah, um, I like the fact that you don't necessarily want the job, but you know you need to do it. One of the sayings that I really like is the people that make the best kings are the people that don't want to be kings in the first place uh it's when you you know that you're the best person for the job the fact that you've took corporations um i think i've told you this before i'm not necessarily because of some of the comments that he has made the biggest trump guy but uh i love the fact that trump was our president because our country is a is a company that's right and, and, and he's a businessman 
a great businessman worth more money than I'll ever even I could ever even imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want a great businessman running our company? Same way with you. You've clearly done well in business. You've took startups, you took other businesses and made them successful. Why wouldn't we want someone like you running the Department of Labor, Labor Commissioner and everything? Why would we want someone that just botched everything that they botched to come back into office? It sounds like, uh, for me, and this is me just being a conspiracy theory person, uh, if that guy just came up out of nowhere and it sounds like all these problems are coming around, it sounds like they're trying to get somebody to stick around to cover up some other stuff or or to make sure that something doesn't come out. It's interesting you say that, my friend. (laughs) It sounds like that maybe, you know. You know, um, lesson, I've got two opponents, right? Yeah. One of them is is a... was a deputy commissioner. They're both nice guys. Yeah. Right. I'm not personally going there by nice guys, but the truth of the matter is you have to scratch your head and go, where did his funding come from out of nowhere? And then all of a sudden all these Atlanta buys on TV and so on. What I've said is this. Number one is I go to the people. Yeah. I have no problem driving to Cochrane from here. We're in Jekyll. Last night we were in Forsyth County in North, North Georgia. Why? Because I'm interviewing for a job, not a job I'm trying to buy. I'm trying to get people to hire me. And that's what we do as business people too, right? You want to go and interview and you want to look at their background and you want to say, are they a good fit for this? But you got to ask the question, like you said, I don't think it's conspiracy. You got to scratch your head a little bit and go, hmm, what is it that they don't want me to pull the curtain back on and see? Truth is, whatever we find, we're going to go fix it. We're going to change that culture where the people inside realize, hey, you exist to serve the people outside. And we're going to start handling it like a business where we're going to measure the number of calls that you're taking, incoming calls, and what the disposition of them. What are you doing to serve people? That's how it should be instead of a government agency going, once you're in, it's almost like some of the jobs that we know that are, you just can't terminate them because once they've got a state or a government job, you can't hold them accountable. No, let's put accountability back in. And I think that's why Trump had so many detractors is he went through some people and he said, hey, I'm going to hold you accountable like we do in business. There's nothing wrong with that, Josh. We just came through a pandemic where we've got a runaway deficit in our federal government. And if we don't get a handle on how we conduct ourselves and we just keep taxing people and taxing and taxing, that American dream's gone. I think for the majority of it, if you want to get my honest opinion, I think it's already almost gone. I I think that if somebody doesn't get a handle on it and actually reel it back in i don't think it's ever coming back i think with everything that just happened with covid i think covid killed it i think it was already almost dead before but i think now the only people that are ever gonna experience the american dream what whatever you want to say it was before are the people that go into business for themselves i agree with that i do not think that anybody that working yourself up through the corporate ladder again uh i mean you mean the woke corporations yeah (laughs) yeah those woke corporations you know it's it's always going to be to me i you just see all these people that have put in time and effort and everything and then they always get they always get screwed over they always get their their retirement took or whatever or if you don't actually put in the time and effort and work and you build your own 
everything now, I just don't think you ever even get that chance anymore because you're putting too much faith into somebody else now. That's true. Um, that's one of the reasons I love being a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, let's look at it. There are some great employers are out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to bash. I mean, you've got great employers down in your neck of the woods, down in here, not too far away in Warner Robins. Um, you got the base. Absolutely. There, there are some very good, hardworking people. But just like anything, you got some bad apples that are just sitting, mm-hmm. right? They're that car sitting in traffic, and they're blocking everybody else. And you're like, would you move off the road and get out of the way so we can have progress? Um, I'm a little bit of an optimist. Yeah. I don't think it's completely gone, but I agree. We're getting very close. But I have a lot of faith in the people in this, not only in Georgia, but in the United States. And I think there's a red wave coming in November. That's, I think, our last opportunity that when Republicans take control of Congress, they better get up off their butt and they better remember that people put them in there to do a job. Don't become part of the good old boy country club. Get up there and get after it. Oh, uh, if it is even kind of blue, it's over with. Like it has to be one hundred, not one hundred percent red. Cause you're never gonna have one hundred percent red. But it has to be red, red. Like without that, we're in trouble. Like we're in, we're in bad trouble. That is why I have, I'm going to do my absolute best to push the folks like you that I believe in. Anytime that you know you want to come, anytime that anybody else that is part of uh, the Republican Party, and I, I told you the same way I, I'll tell when Candace comes in here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I don't consider myself a, a Republican anymore or a conservative or whatever. I'm an independent just because there's a lot of people I don't put my faith in that's in that party anymore. I put my faith in y'all, though. I, I I I put my faith in you. Thank you. I, I like what you do. I believe in you. But I I haven't met anybody from the other side now that I can sit here and say that I put my faith in because I think that you know. You know, it's interesting. I heard I heard, a, I heard a joke once, and uh, I've shared it on on the tour, so to speak, right, as I yeah. traveled around. And it says that you know this this, this guy um, that he winds up uh, going in for surgery, and they say you're going to die. You know, he's overweight. He looks terrible. He doesn't take care of himself. He's alcoholic, smoked. And um, doctors come in and say, man, you better call your family in. You're just not going to make it. And the guy closes his eyes, starts praying to God. And he's like, am I going to die? Is this the end? And God goes, nah, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. And he says, well, our doctor said I'm going to die. And he says, well, I'm God. Right? You're not going to die. All right? You're going to be through. You're going to come through the surgery. They're going to get your heart all situated. And you better make some changes. He says, okay. So he wakes up. And sure enough, he looks around. He's like, man, I made it. I'm alive. Right? I'm a miracle. And so he's got recoveries in the hospital for about a month. And while he's in there, he's like, well, heck, man, let's go ahead and do a little liposuction. And do a liposuction. It looks better. And he said, while you're at it, man, put a little hair on top of my head. And he does a hair transplant. And he does all the kinds of things. You know, you're doing plastic surgery and so on. He's a new man. And he walks out the door. I'm going to walk across the street and get in his, his wife's going to pick him up across the street. And he's walking across. Wham! Freaking ambulance hits him and kills him. Ooh. He gets to heaven. And he's up there. He's like, hey. I thought we had a deal here. I thought I was supposed to live. I mean, what happened? And God looks at him and says, man, I didn't recognize you. That's kind of like our party. Yeah. People don't recognize what the Republican Party is. And the truth of the matter is, Josh, you know, I'm a Republican because I need to be associated with a party. Yeah. Right? You can't win it. as an independent. But the truth of the matter is, we better start acting like Republicans. Fiscally conservative, fighters, patriots for that flag, and remember what this country was founded on. And the problem is there's a whole lot of people in leadership and in roles in the government that have forgotten that or never really associated with it. 
and there's people in his center right now, they don't know who to associate with. They don't know what to believe. Yeah. And we've got to restore some belief back in people. We got Ukraine over there where Russia is going in. They got mass graves. Who knows how many? We know at least some of these graves have 10,000 bodies in them. They're talking about, I read an article this morning, of the city was 500,000. It's just a fragment of that city. The rest are in graves. And I'm not saying we put troops on the ground because I don't, we believe in that. But by God, when we have people like Obama that dropped bazillions of dollars into Syria, there is, we let Russia and China get out of control. I don't know whether we ever rein them back in. And now Russia's, you won't. Russia's threatening, going, you mess with this since World War III. You know what? The only way you take down a bully, you will take out the bully. Yeah. Uh, well, I have, once again, I'm a conspiracy nut. Um, there's a guy, and I can't remember his name. It's Mike something. He's a CIA guy. He's retired. Like, if you can ever say that somebody retires from the yeah, CIA. Right. Um, one of the things that he, uh, he's been on a lot of podcasts. He's got several books and everything. I really just cannot think of his name. He says that the way that China or the China, Russia, everybody, they got to be in cahoots together mm -hmm. anyway, right? Right. That if they were going to try to take over the world, what they would do is they would try to do it quietly from the inside out or whatever, put operatives or whatever in certain places and all that kind of stuff. And um, Ukraine, first piece is kind of how, like, he, he would he kind of put it, is some of the stuff I was reading. Um, and since we have a weak leader right now, uh, and it doesn't seem like anybody's stepping up being scary right now for, for us is this is the time to do it. And if they ever, if we don't act soon with everything, it will be the United States pretty much bowing down because there's no way our military could take all of them. There's nope. none. It, there's just absolutely none. That's right. And that's where I don't think a lot of people understand to where, you know, it's not about being the biggest bully on the playground, but you're supposed to be tough as hell to where you can take care of the biggest bully on the playground. You're not supposed to fight. You're not supposed to want to. But if you see another kid getting bullied, you're supposed to go over there and do something that's about right. it. And that's where when you had Reagan, when you had Bush, when you had Trump or whatever, if you got that bully or if you got that guy on the playground that can, you know that if I go, if the bully acts up, the bully's not going to act up because that guy's standing over there. We don't have that right now. That's why you see Russia doing something stupid like they're doing right now because they're not scared of us. We need somebody or we need several people in power to where... They're scared. You know, the kicker is we should have learned this. Yeah. We're smarter than this. We just came through a pandemic. Go to your local auto dealer right now, car dealer, and they're selling more used cars than they are new cars because they can't get chips in yeah. from China. We have bowed down and allowed stuff to be shipped over to other countries. And you're right, from the inside out, mm -hmm. they're bringing us to our knees. And then we've got Russia over there that are continuing. They're not going to stop. You're right. Ukraine is a test. Yep. What are we willing to do? You know, it's the whole cooking a frog in a frying pan. And if They're we sit to see back, if we're going to jump or not. exactly right. And we better step up and go enough. And we could do it with the technology we have. We could send them right back to where they're at. Now, I'll, I'll hand it to the Ukrainians. They're standing up. But I don't know how they win that war against Russia. That, they can't. I mean, 
they they can't. They're just not strong enough. No. They can put up a good fight. They can put up a good fight, but unless they get help, and it would have to be help from someone like us, mm-hmm. they can't. But they're just waiting. Russia's waiting on us to make a move, and China's waiting on us to make a move. Ugh. It's, it's, it's sickening. Well, it's it, sickening, but it's, we put ourselves in oh, this we did. place. We allowed this to happen. Um, it's the same thing as our state. We've sat oh, yeah. back. You know, the current, as we've mentioned, the current commissioner is not running. I think, honestly, the reason he's not running is we have been hammering at this for 11 months. But he's been in office for 11 years. And this agency, you know, my, my opponent made a comment and said, hey, you're nothing more than an angry white guy. And you know what? At first, I was a little. Called offended. you an angry white guy. I, I was a little offended at first. Then I thought, you're not about an angry. I'm an angry go, white guy. You're go. definitely not an angry white guy. Uh, well, it's, I thought about it for a second. I said, you know what? I'm white. Okay. I don't. I don't know any of us are really white. I heard somebody say before, it's like, <laughs> man, go into a paint <laughs> store and say, hey, can you match my color? It's not white. You know. Uh, but, that's but, funny. But the truth of the matter is, I'm white, and I'm pretty angry at some of the crap that's happening because we've allowed it. But it doesn't mean I'm angry at everybody. I want to fix it. And so I guess I own that. But the other situation is, is we've allowed things in our state and in our federal government to continue on, just like we're watching with Russia. And then we get surprised at the end what the results are. We have to stop it. It's what you do in business. It's what you did in the military. I mean, geez, even on a football field and softball, right? You identify what the problems are, and then you adapt if you don't you can't go like well my daughter we just gotta be 21 to nothing you're like well you never did shift you never did make a change that's what we're supposed to be as resilient americans that adapt we have the freedom right now still for a minute to do that and that's what we're trying to do at department liver let's turn it around for the people and take an agency that's ranked at the very bottom and help it become a model where people go dang it's a state agency but it sure doesn't act like it they respond. You can get through. The agencies are open. Uh, I don't want to be unemployed, but when I am, I can get my claims. The, the uh, businesses that had to lay people off, they, when they call people back, they got to come back to work. They can't do what they're doing right now, which is refuse to come back to work and still get unemployment, which is driving up the un- unemployment insurance rates of these businesses. Yeah, can you explain that to me? Yeah, well, you got to modernize this agency. Right now, um, yes, we had a pandemic. And yes, we had millions and millions and millions of claims. But the truth of the matter is they didn't prepare for this like they were supposed to years ago by using technology to modernize the claim process. If you would have done that today, if you had somebody that was laid off, like we were down at Kia and we talked to the president there and he's got 200 openings trying to call people back that got laid off. They refused to come back. The current technology, all that does is is it can monitor what, that you went and applied for jobs, but there's no way to be able to monitor whether or not they turn the job down. Other states, it does. See, there's no account. There's only half of the accountability. So somebody working the system to still oh, receive. That's you, that's what it is. They, you got a ton of people working the system. Now on unemployment, people here in the news, we got record unemployment. Well, that's true, but remember, we got record population that's grown too. Yeah. So as the population grows that unemployment is going to be less and less. And there are people that have washed out right now, right? They're not getting that $300 anymore because they've moved completely to cash on the side. And you're competing with this because they still are getting some benefits from the state. There's all kinds of benefits out there from childcare and subsidies. 
not just unemployment. And, you know, we, we should, I have the heart just like you do. If somebody needs help to get back on their feet, I'm all in. Yeah. You come to absolutely. my house and you're like, man, I'm starving. Absolutely. I've lost. Man, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to help you, whatever. But if you steal, we got a problem. Oh, yeah. And that's what I feel like people are doing. They're working a system. They're stealing. And you're going to see not just me, but many other people. I chair economic development around the state. That right now, the small businesses, man, they're about to start closing at rapid rates. They cannot survive. You cannot have a steak and shake or a whatever business. It's mo- a lot of times these are private owners that are running at half staff. They're running at reduced hours and their costs are climbing. Ultimately, you wind up shutting down because you're like, you know what? The bank wants their paycheck. And I got to pay the mortgage. I got to pay the rent. I got my power bill. I got my insurance. And there's nothing left at the end. So they shut down. And we're going to start seeing a lot of those. And again, it's not just me saying that. It's the economists. What does that do? It then becomes a trickle-down effect. And all of a sudden, you don't have that money for the softball team sponsorships and the whatever. And people are going to be like, what has happened? Well, what has happened is we've allowed this labor force to undermine our entire economy. And a day of reckoning is coming quick. Yeah. Anybody that's got any type of brain, like, they can see it. I mean, there's... the. The folks that were sitting there begging for, you know, minimum wage to go up don't know. Uh, it always tickles me when you see folks that, uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way. Sure. Uh, you see these folks that are, I always say, undereducated, not uh, uneducated. Uh, folks that, uh, you know, just didn't want to do anything or go to I don't have any college now underneath yeah. me or whatever, right? Right. But folks just refuse to put in time and effort to. But you to got grow. life experience. I got life experience uh, to to better themselves, and they want to work at McDonald's. Nothing wrong working at McDonald's, but I also called a starter job. That's right. In my mind, that's you know you do that and you grow, right? But it always tickles me to see people that want to work there and then say that they want twenty dollars an hour, right? But they don't realize that if you work there and you demand twenty dollars an hour everything around you goes up and that's what you're talking about mm-hmm. pretty much right even though you might end up getting that twenty dollars an hour everything else is your rent's going to go up the gas is going to go up everything else and i guess with with the i'm just trying to put it i'm trying not to be ugly to to what I don't like the lazy ass people and the folks that listen to this show. You need to come to Cartersville. Uh, the, fo- the folks that listen to the show are not the type of people that that are lazy. The folks that listen to my show are the blue collar folks. The yeah. folks that will get up and go to work every day. The folks that on their way to work to Robbins Air Force Base right now. We got a huge following out there, and I love all the f- folks that go there. Up at Lockheed Martin, we got a lot a lot of folks, and. They don't like the folks that are sitting there abusing the system. They don't like the folks that are demanding, you know, at a starter job, the same thing that they went to school for, that they busted their butt for, and are the folks that are sitting there milking everything. We got a restaurant in downtown Cartersville called Appalachian Grill. Yeah. Jackie is a mess. Um, I mean, years ago, I was sitting in a booth, and I saw a couple just trying to milk the system. They were bellyaching about their steak and bellyaching, 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 just really acting like fools. And they demanded the cook come out. The cook came out, and, and I was just watching it. She tried to explain. She was like, hey, this is, I'll make you another. And they wanted their meal free. Then they said, well, I want to see the owner. And I don't think they thought the owner would come out. And Jackie came out, and, man, he is a no 
bones kind of guy. And he listened to him for about three minutes. Says, "Well, this is easy to resolve." And they said, "Oh, okay." And he said, "Get up and get your out of my restaurant." And he escorted him out right through everybody. You can go up there right now, and every week he changes a sign in the front door. And uh, I think the most recent one it said, "Please forgive us. We're not open on Tuesdays until the lazy asses come back to work." Thank you, Biden, for what you've done to my business and to all of my good patrons for being here. And he just—that's he just. I like that. Blank. I want to, I want to go eat there and, now and, just and for that. And I'm telling you, he is the kind of guy that says, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. I mean, the truth of the matter is, I think it does go back to families too. I mean, I got a daughter that's graduating college. She's 21. And, um, of course, I'm a proud dad. But she's 21. She's graduating this weekend. And she'll start her first job at 50 grand. And when she started interviewing, she's in PR and marketing over in, in Alabama, in Sanford. People were throwing jobs out there, and, you know, some of them were putting a carrot, and then they wouldn't put it in writing, and, you know, she understood. But the truth of the matter is, as smart as she is, she ain't the smartest kid, young lady. <laughs> she's not the prettiest. She's not the smartest. She certainly doesn't come for the most amount of money, but you know what she's got that puts her at the top? She's got a work ethic. Yeah. And when she was doing an internship, the company that was there said, well, we want to move to a fellowship because we want to get away. And then from the fellowship, they wanted to hire her, but then they, they didn't realize the value of it. But she went out there and she started applying. And man, I'm just saying to your listeners, and if you know like what you're saying is our, our friends in the military bases and so on, the truth of the matter is your work ethic still matters. And you can get to the top pretty quick when you have a whole bunch of other people where it doesn't matter. I think that is uh, in the next couple of years, I think that work ethic to employers is going to matter way more in education. That's right. I, I really do. I think that uh, I've also been the person that is for the longest time now not that college doesn't matter. I think that I think that college is almost fixing to come obsolete. Uh, besides for certain jobs. I, I think that world experience, life experience is gonna be where people get ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, I said it while ago, I think the only people that are actually gonna like really live the American dream and become wealthy are gonna be the ones that start their own businesses. But I think from now on, like we used to have co ops at the base. I don't know if they yes, still sir. do that. Mm -hmm. But that's where all my friends my age, that's how they got on. Now you got the ones that go to school, and they don't even get on at the base anymore. They sit there and wait around. Or you got these teachers now that can't even get a job once they get or the once they get done with their their education. Yeah, well, academics can't teach you perseverance. Yeah. and how to react. Just like what we just went through the pandemic and so on, right? And so life experience teaches yeah. you. Life experience teaches you to get back up and drive through to finish strong and so on. And I agree with you. There are certain people need to go and get a four-year college degree. But we're learning through this apprenticeship program that um, Kemp just signed in. I was one of the co-sponsors. Getting young people, introducing them to the trades, introducing them young and early at 14 and 15 years old, that there is a world out there that you get in, you can go make 60 to 100 grand as a truck driver, a welder, a plumber. I didn't even know anything about this. Yep. Uh, I was just talking out my ass. I didn't yep. know anything about Brand this. new. We just did it. Apprenticeship programs. And um, they don't have all the debt from college. Yeah, that's, yeah. You know, and I've said this before when I'm talking to people. I, you know, it offends a little people, but that's okay. I'll shake it up so now and then. I'll say, hey, you're getting a big group in, a, in an auditorium. I'll say, hey, how many, how many of you guys are on honor roll? How many of you guys are A students? You know, and they're, they're proud. And that's good. And they'll stand up and, and I'll say, all right, look at them. All you guys that can stand, look at them. And they'll look at him. I said, all right, you guys that are A students, sit down. All you guys that are C and D students, stand up. 
Well, they don't want to stand up, right? Because they're embarrassed. I said, no, come on, man. We already know who you are because you didn't yeah, stand up. Didn't so stand, stand up. up. I said, now, this doesn't matter. This is not a wide brush, but it is true. Many of you that are standing right now that are C and D students, you look at those A students. There's going to be a few of those A students that have had to work hard to get to where they're at. But there's some of them, life's been pretty easy for them. Mm -hmm. For you C and Ds, man, you have had to work your butt off to get to where you're at. Maybe you got a real tough background at home. Maybe you're actually working to provide for your family. You're going to be employing a whole lot of those A students right I, now. I absolutely. And I'm telling you right now, you're learning the life skills that you need to drive through and to lead because leadership cannot be taught in a classroom. Absolutely. Academics, you cannot do that. There's a place for it, but we're learning more than anything that life experience matters, relationship, transparency, honesty, integrity, those things matter. And we've learned in colleges and even in schools right now, we got CRT and all this emotional experience and all this other BS. That is not what's preparing young people to go out in the world and survive. Yeah, well, you can't, you can't, a leader isn't taught, it's born, in my opinion. Like it could be developed, it could yeah, be fostered, you're yeah, right. But for the most part, you're either, yep. it's something that, me, I grew up poor. I think you, same thing, thing, same thing with you. There are life lessons that me and you learn because of our upbringing. My first dad house was not at a concert. It was yeah. where we lived. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So there are things that we got taught growing up that we will pass on, that we have passed on to our children that they'll end up passing on to theirs. Mm -hmm. That because of the way that we were brought up, our kids will be leaders. Mm -hmm. They'll have a better work ethic. Everything because of that. And you'll have some that maybe they got all the money in the world. Maybe they got all the education in the world. But they won't know how to lead. They'll always be a follower. And it, it, it's all about it's all about that to me. And then... One of the things that I, that program that y'all that you were just talking about, yeah. I absolutely loved that. Um, I'm a big Elon Musk fan. Like I really he like, just bought Twitter. Oh my god! <laughs> I hope he ends up buying every other social media platform. So maybe there's some free speech on yeah. social media again. Um, but he's got he's got a quote, and he's like, "It's a shame that you can go a hundred thousand dollars in student debt uh, coming out of college or coming out of high school." But you can't get a ten thousand dollar business loan and take a chance on yourself. Right. I wish uh, there was more people that that could do that. Um, and it sounds like with that program that you know that you co-sponsored right yeah. there, that it's where people are going to get a chance to not be in debt the rest of their life and actually be a whole lot happier and work and work for themselves or work for building towards something instead of. Working towards paying back a student loan. Well, let's teach p young people to be thinkers instead of just doers, right? You Absolutely. get into a classroom and it's like, okay, this move to this. Let's teach people the entrepreneurial spirit of being thinkers. I mean, the other thing that we go back to, and, and there's nothing wrong with growing up with a silver spoon. Man, more power to you. I love it. I just happen to have a bl broken plastic fork. I don't think but, I would have wanted to. Yeah, well, you know. I mean, I I, been fun. Yeah, I take that if back, somebody I mean, wanted to hand me a $10 million, it'd be fun to play for yeah, a minute. Yeah, you're exactly <laughs> right. Now, I, I always say I don't know how much money it's going to take for me to sell up, but I'd like to find out. That's right. Let me try it once. <laughs> but, you know, I go back to my daughter again, and she, yeah. was a, she was a ranked tennis player when she was young. And they, you know, she would have never been Division One, but she could have been Division Two. They said, yeah. and she wanted to quit. It got tough, 
And I said, you don't quit till the end of the season. And then she went into music. You're teaching people you don't quit. You know, life gets hard. It's called life. Yeah. And jobs, you know, you go to work, and then you may not like your boss, or you may not like your employees, or you may not like your vendor, or you, but you don't just quit. No. And that's teaching that character to drive through. And we're quickly losing that, Josh. You sound so much like the stuff that I say to my daughter. Literally, everything that you're sitting there saying. Gracie, she's only 10, so not, not as, you know, uh, she's obviously not as uh, some of the conversations you and your child, your daughter's had. But with uh, she gets lazy, and it, she's spoiled. And she's spoiled in a way that, that bothers me to the point to where, like, um, it was one day at softball practice. She was just like, I just don't want to run today. I was like, why don't you want to run? And uh, she was like, it's hot. I was like, well, Grace, you got to understand that sometimes if you want to play a sport or you want to do something, you've got to, you know, you got to run when it's hot. you got to do this. And uh, she's almost got to the point where it's like, well, if i got to run when it's hot, when I got, if I got to run when it's hot, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to play anymore. And I was like, this is the social media age right here. This is the second that something gets too hard. You want to quit because you'd rather go sit there and play on your iPad. So I told her, I was like, well, Gracie, if you want to quit, I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. But if you quit, you don't have an iPad anymore. <laughs> you don't have nothing anymore. Yeah. You can play ass outside with the dogs and you can learn to to do that. Right. And she was like, "All right, I'll run." <laughs> and I'm I'm okay with if she wants to do some stuff on social media and, and learn that because that's the next generation. Every kid needs to know it in my opinion. Some stuff needs to be very much filtered back, but you have to teach the hard side of stuff. You have to you make them earn it. Choices have consequences. Yeah. That's all you're teaching right there. Yeah, that's it. But and guess it, what? You're in Central Georgia. It's going to be hot if you're going to play softball. It's going to be hot regardless of what you do. At Christmas time, it's hot. It, it doesn't matter. That and those doggone gnats you got down here. <laughs> uh, yeah. We had a riders retreat this weekend in Eastman, and – I got ate up by skeeters, and I was like, yeah, I'm, on, I'm not ready for this. Every summer, it, they'll carry you off down here. They, they're the worst. They're the worst. We had a we had a uh, barbecue honoring the um, men and women in law enforcement over in Tatma County. Okay. And uh, I love that. 3,000 3, people. Oh, it was yeah. so cool. Um, and that was a couple weeks ago. But, man, you're talking about skeeters. I'm like, good night. They're I mean, mean. Do they raise these things like, we, you know, like uh, doves? I don't know what it is. It's, it's all that old muggy swamp down here. I and guess. I'm telling you, they, they, raise, them, they raise them big down here. Um, kind of tell folks uh, before we end this. Yes, sir. Um, if you're elected with Labor Commissioner, what's some of the things that just that you know – that you're going to change to where they can see firsthand that where labor force here in Georgia is going to be different to where it's not going to be what it's been the past two years because of Corona or even before that. I don't know really the issues before that, but I know that all the issues that we've had since then and the biggest thing to my listeners, I know, that they want to hear is they're tired of getting up, going to work every day, busting their butt, paying their taxes, 
doing what they're supposed to do and seeing folks taking advantage of the system. Right. I know, I know that. And um, also, we're tired of our restaurants not staying open as long as they're supposed to. Somebody don't make Huddle House here in Cochrane get back to Huddle House hours, we're going to lose it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I mean, we, we went through yesterday, <laughs> drove through the Dunkin' Donuts up in Forsyth County. Yeah. And uh, beautiful Dunkin' Donuts. And pulled up to one window, and a girl took our order, and she said, hey, can you hold on a second? I got to run to the other window. And she ran to the other window to take the person's money, and then was running back. Yeah. And, and it's, it's ridiculous. Because, like, you know, she just couldn't do it. And businesses can't survive like that. Absolutely you, not. Your question is, what can your listeners expect if they give me the opportunity and privilege to be their labor commissioner? Um, here's what you can expect. In the first six months, you will see a dramatic change. We will, we will already start the deployment of changing the software, the technology within that agency. We don't need to reinvent it. You just need a guy like me to go out and negotiate for the best deal for that agency. It's already being done in other states. When you do that transition, what you'll be able to do is you'll be able to see that if you legitimately are filing an unemployment claim, those people that legitimately are, the claim process will be easy. There'll be some accountability from the employer to be able to see that's done, and then it'll also be able to make sure that it's not fraud. Hundreds of millions of dollars of claims, you and I's money, being paid outside of our state and outside of our country right now with no accountability. Let's become fiscally responsible. That's the first thing. Once that's done, you're also going to see that agency is going to be customer service. You know, you can go to a lot of fast food places, but the the gold star is really Chick-fil-A. Absolutely. Right? You go to Chick-fil-A, and for the most part, not all, but for the most part, uh, it's my pleasure to serve you. That's what that agency needs to be because they're an emergency room. People are calling the Department of Labor or the Career Center because they have an emergency. They're not scheduling a doctor visit for six months. They lost their job, and they need benefits. We need to treat it that way. Where there's some urgency, let's get their need done and measure that. Again, that's going to be way outside the box of what government agencies do. Then let's talk about what you just talked about. Let's work with four verticals, with TCSG, where we moved a lot of the responsibilities away from the Department of Labor over the last 10 years because they weren't doing it. And so when you hear my opponents say, well, the General Assembly gutted us and they don't have enough employees and have enough money, they just weren't doing their job, so they moved it somewhere else and that's where their funding went. But let's work with them to do this. When we have veterans, which you have a huge veteran population. In fact, another bill that was just signed, the governor signed in a law, and I was happy to be one of the sponsors of, is if you're a retired vet moving to our state, you get 17500 tax exemption on your retirement. If you're married, that's $35,000 that we're doing because we want our veterans to return back here and maybe become part of the workforce. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's be veterans friendly. But back to that, when you have veterans returning, let's make sure that they understand the jobs that are available. And it's not just the big companies. In rural Georgia, you don't have a lot of the big companies. You've got a lot of smaller, mid-sized to smaller companies. And they don't have the resources to build big programs like Coke and Home Depot and some of the others. We have those that are incarcerated. When they come out, you and I both want them to be gainfully employed so they don't go back in there again. Be able to meet your family needs. Be able to see some dignity. Be able to say, you know, I made a mistake. I served my time. Now I want to move on. Marry them up. Our apprenticeship programs we talked about getting young people. And then we have a growing retirement community moving into Georgia or that's already here. Let's take that retirement community and go, hey, I retired, but that doesn't mean I want to stop working. 
And of course, with this inflation, some of them have to work, but they don't want to work at home uh, at Lowe's maybe or Walmart. They have institutional knowledge and experience and mentorship. You take those four verticals, Josh, and you make that Department of Labor like Indeed.com, the greatest opportunity out there where anybody can log in, employers or individuals, and marry them up, and it's free because we're already, well, it's not free. We're already paying for it as taxpayers. It becomes a job fair program that's putting everybody at work, and now you no longer have labor issues. Right now, we have a discombobulated, dysfunctional Department of Labor, and if you or someone else was returning for the military, other than knowing somebody or going to a big company, you wouldn't know where to even start. You don't even know who's hiring. You don't know what jobs are available. Maybe you were in artillery. Maybe you were in supply. Maybe you're in maintenance. You don't know where to start. If you're coming out of jail, you're coming out of the prison system, you don't know where to start. They process you out, and you got a probation officer, and you got a time. And guess what happens? You get stressed out. You wind up doing something stupid again, and you're right back in again. Let's change that instead of barking at it. You know, the barking dog needs to be fed or put down, right? Absolutely. And we can fix this, and we can become the model. We're the number one place in the country to business. Let's be the number one place to be employed. Run through walls. That's what you do. You make people want to run This is not through. hard, Josh. We no, do it in business not. all the well, time. It's, it's just like you are clearly a a very smart businessman. You've come up with a business plan for this state to improve it, to fix the problem. It's what you've done. And it's easy to see. Like, I don't know if you if you catch on to this. Uh, it happens when I've asked other people that are running for something. Exactly. When I ask them a question about, hey, how do you fix this? They give you a, a politician answer. They give you a backhanded answer. Or they'll do that stuff that I hate more than anything. They'll talk about what somebody else is doing wrong. You just literally said, this is what I can do. This is how you fix it. You clear cut the answer. This is what a lot of folks in your position, uh, I think it, it go, it, you, some folks miss. You clearly don't miss it, which I think is what makes you special. Most folks that are in my position, we're simple when it comes to this stuff because we have no understanding of how to fix this. Or we don't have any understanding of the political system or anything. When you give a clear-cut answer like that, it makes me feel secure. Josh, you know what the sad thing is? This is a sad thing, and and I know that you've got other people that are serving political office are probably listening on your show, and I am not diminishing the role of a, of a political figure, yeah. right? But the truth of the matter is we complicate the heck out of this. Yes. It, it, you look at a bill. Man, when I first got elected, I'm like, what the Sam heck is this yeah. even saying, right? And I'm like, why is it like this? And, you know, some people are, well, the legalese. And then the truth of the matter is it's by design. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's by design. The, you start seeing other bills and a lot of bills that I got carried. I'm like, tell ledge council, make this simple so a layman can read this and understand what it is instead of voting for something they don't have a clue. And, and again, fixing this agency is pretty simple. Is it going to take work? Heck yeah. We've already talked about this on your show. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with hard work. Absolutely. Is it going to take trying to lead people? Absolutely. 
is there going to be some people that are probably going to not be a good fit in that agency that are there now? Absolutely. Well, isn't they're clearly not a good fit now. Well, that's, that's, a, that's, that's how it true. got to be there in the first damn place. That's right. That's right. And so just saying it, yeah. you know, there's some that say, oh, I'm not going to let anybody go. No, I'm not making that promise. You I'm telling you, we're going to become efficient. Yeah. And there's a thousand employees right there. We may be 750 when we're done. Yeah. That's okay. If they've got the drive and they got the experience, there are plenty of jobs out there, people looking to hire them. But let's be responsible to you guys and turn around an agency right now that, like we talked about, it's at the bottom. Let's make it a shining star, and then we'll go fix something else. Yeah. Well, you're, or go back to the private sector and make money. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the fact that you realize that it's broken, it's broken for a reason, and there's clearly something that's part of it that needs to be fixed. Well, I, I said this the other Didn't night. I? I said, you know, every, every year in the Senate, they, we give out mock awards. And, um, or we don't, leadership did. And the first year I got Oscar the Grouch. And I was like, man, I'm not Oscar the Grouch. And it was because I took the job serious. Yeah. You know, I wasn't doing a lot of the pomp and circumstance. I saw it was more circumstance, not a lot less pomp. Because I would go home every night and go back to see my family and go to work. A couple years later, right, I got a bulldozer. And I was like, are you kidding me? And it was because I carried some bills that were really tough and had to get them through. And then I made a comment because a buddy of mine said to me, he goes, you know, without a bulldozer, we'd never have a road. I was like, I like oh, that. Okay. And then I, <laughs> and then, uh, I got the bulldog award two years ago and I thought, dang it. But then you know what? And hey, we're pretty proud of our bulldogs now, aren't we? Hell They're yeah. national championship and it took driving through. So, Hey, you know what? I think you just own what you are and not try and be somebody else. That's what a mentor said when I first came in, his name was Jack Hill and Jack Hill was huge to Georgia. He was our appropriation chairman. And uh, he passed away a number of years ago. But Jack told me when I first came in to the Senate, he said, Bruce, people are going to try and make you something you're not. Just try and be who you are. And you, that's who I am, Josh. I, I'm just a guy that wants to fix something. But who you are is exactly what Georgia needs. And right. I appreciate you taking time, Mr. Bruce. Um, do you know what uh, your Instagram and uh, what your other social medias are? Or is it just uh, Bruce Thompson? Uh, Bruce Thompson, GA, you know at Bruce Thompson GA, okay. uh, but certainly you can, you can at Tulane travel. Then you follow us around. We are all over. You see our yellow signs all over the state. Um, or you can go to our website, which is again, Bruce Thompson GA.com. Um, or and I give my cell phone out. I have since I got in office. I said, any, any political figure that will not give a cell phone to those that are, um, you're asking to vote for, there's probably a problem. And my cell phone's 404-660-1165. Um, if the voicemail's full, that's good. That means people are calling me, and I'm flirting through it. Send me a text. You reckon Stacey Abrams gets her cell phone number out when she runs ads? I reckon Stacey Abrams probably doesn't give out her cell phone. She probably has somebody sitting there answering her phone for her. I answer my own phone. You know that. I, I know he does. I can call him any time, and he picks up my phone call. And I imagine he would y'all's as well. Well, I appreciate it. I look forward to being your next labor commissioner. Uh, you are going to be our next labor commissioner. Uh, y'all make sure if y'all see anything in Mr. Bruce's on social media, please share it. Uh, just look him up. Thank y'all for listening. Hey, and John, uh, I got one little thing that I, if, if I can have the privilege to be able to do to you. What's that? We have a little resolution here that we had done in the state Senate. Yeah. For you. For and me. Yeah. Do you mind if I just uh, share that to your listeners right here? Yeah. What, what did you do? Well, it's not what I did. It's what you did. What did I do? You are serving people in the state of Georgia, and we appreciate it. And we wanted, as I leave the Senate, I wanted forever in history. Um, 
it to it to be imprinted. And it, this just says it's from the Georgia State Senate. It's a resolution in recognizing and commending Josh Terry, and for other purposes. Whereas, after working for years in broadcast media, Josh Terry launched his own podcast called Politics, Religion, and Whiskey. It's a platform he uses to entertain and educate on a wide variety of topics. Whereas Ter Terry has been so successful in growing his audience that he has attracted major corporate sponsors and has become among the top 1% of most downloaded podcasts worldwide. Whereas Terry has used his platform to not only engage with political candidates and office holders, but also to discuss religion, current events, and other topics. And while as giving up and giving up and coming musicians an opportunity to be heard by a white audience. Whereas Terry also has brought to the attention of hundreds of thousands of listeners information about organizations that help United States military veterans who have sustained combat injuries and mental health trauma associated with service and combat zone. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the Senate that the members of this body recognize the achievements of Josh Terry in creating a highly successful, entertaining, and informative, informative, informative podcast and commence his efforts to use his podcast to improve the lives of the citizens of Georgia. So I'd like to present this to you. Senate Resolution 489. Wait a minute. Mess me up over here, Bruce. Shit. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh, this is just the coolest thing ever. Oh. Man, Mr. Bruce. Ah. This is literally the coolest thing ever. So you mentioned early on that oh, you felt man. like you could run through a wall for me, and I just wanted oh. you to know that you've impacted my life. You're impacting tens, if not hundreds of thousands of other people, and one of the acts that I wanted to do before I left the Senate was be able to have you recognized forever for what you're accomplishing. Too many times we have people that um, there are high-profile people out there that are recognized, but there are a lot of people that are high-profile to the average person out there that are making impacts that go without being recognized, and I wanted you to be recognized. So there you are. For once in my life, I'm speechless. Um, well, that's going to make your listeners mad, and I don't want to oh, do that. Oh, no, shit. Um, <laughs> from the bottom of my heart, thank you. You're welcome. That is uh I think I think to your listeners we I actually don't know. we actually caught him off guard. <laughs> um yeah, I had no I I absolutely had no idea about this. See, if um, you were a political wonk, you would have been able to see that coming cuz it it is out there and people don't know, but that just proves to your listeners that you're not you're trying to educate them, but you don't sit and just live in that swamp mess. Not day and day. So that's good. I, I don't um I don't uh I, I don't know what to say. Thank, um, thank you, sorry, I got But, but I'll tell you this: this shows, uh, it shows what a good person you are. And I, and I knew that first time I met you, that uh, I was back in the right kind of person. Thank you, I appreciate that. Thank it means you a lot. Um, y'all, I don't, I can't, I can't say nothing. So uh, before I get teary eyed, uh, I'm gonna get off here. But uh, thank y'all for listening to politics, religion, and whiskey. God bless y'all. Go look up Bruce Thompson. Uh, and if y'all don't vote for him, I'm kicking y'all's ass. Um, because this is just the coolest thing ever right now. Uh, you're going to be president one day. I'm going to make, I don't care. Whatever we do, you're going to be governor. We're going everywhere. Thank y'all. Y'all.
Shit, I can't even end the show. I was, I, I, you got me messed up. Uh, thank you all for listening to the Josh J Podcast. I'll catch you all later.